Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim, intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talk to the Doll Benfica podcast. Episode number 388 is what we're up to. My name is Alfredo Fumaças. As always, I am your host. Uh, with me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, como é que é, amigo? What's going on, Alfredo? David, how are you guys doing today? Good. And uh, Dave de Oliveira up in the uh, Great White North, in the good side of the border. Dave, what's happening? Nothing much. Uh, another day on uh, this side of the uh, the ground, so it's a, a good day to be alive. But uh, that's good to be back right. on. That's absolutely right. Um, on tonight's podcast, we will look back at the Lech Poznan game and the Passo Ferreira game, and we'll look ahead to Standard Liège, the last game in Benfica's uh, Europa League uh, group stages. Um, Benfica's already through. We'll talk about the possible uh, opponents for Benfica uh, as things uh, wrap up in the Champions League, and some of those third places are going to drop down to the Europa League. We will talk about that Um and further down the line. Anyway, let's get start. Uh, let's get started right at the beginning against Lech Poznan. Benfica lined up with the uh, with the following eleven: Vlacodimos, Gilberto, Otamendi, Vertonghen, and Grimaldo. Uh, Gabriel and Chiquinho in the middle. Uh, Rafa on one side, Everton on the other, and Pizzi behind um, Darwin. Cristiano, looking at this lineup, this Chiquinho who had played um, for the Portuguese Cup against. Um, against uh who was it that we played against uh Paredes. yeah that we played he uh makes his return with gabriel in the midfield uh pizzi uh sat down walt schmidt and he played behind uh darwin and um you know i think this this like like poznan game i think that like poznan comes to the stadio luge already making uh, some 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 management. Pedro Tiba, who had gotten a knock uh, over the weekend, didn't come. He's arguably one of their best players. But what do you what do you make of this uh, Benfica eleven, Chris? About it was to me a combination of two things. One, Jesus clearly still has no freaking clue who to play in the middle, uh, what tandem to play in the middle of the park. And the other one is he has to rotate guys due to the fact that Benfica is going to play a very important game three days down the line. Obviously. The month of December, as, as Dave spent, uh, mentioned last week regarding the schedule, is going to be game after game after game. So he has to do a good job of managing players, making sure that they're nice and fresh or, or fresh enough uh, to, to be able to compete at the highest level, to be able to perform at their best. Um, and so I think that's that's where he went with that decision. Um, PZ, look, man, um, <laughs> we've had our fun. We've had our fun over the years here on this podcast with, with uh, PZ. But gotta say something, man. The guy performs um, unlike many other guys that Benfica do. And I know some of us um, are upset because of, of of his attitude towards the end of last season and whatever. We have some things to hold against him. But the guy comes here week after week. Say what you want. Competition, whether it's good or bad. He's he's putting the ball away. He's giving 
assists to his teammates, and he just looks like a world beater, man. This guy, if he was able to keep up this level of consistency uh, for, for you know, uh, great amounts of time throughout the season, I, I think we'd have a fantastic, fantastic player. Um, but- yeah, I, I think that uh, obviously you can't argue with numbers and facts, right? And the, the numbers and the facts are uh, he's one of the team's best scorers. Um, probably the guy with the most assists uh, right now on this team. So you can't argue with the numbers. Um, but I, I, I think that, that I, I do tend to agree with, with some of what's been said about Pizzi, that if Pizzi plays in a free role with no defensive responsibilities behind the forward, he's a guy that is going to have a lot more success than the Pizzi in the midfield having to track back and, and having to defend. That's that's where that's my opinion on PT. Is he my favorite guy to play the behind the forward? No. Uh, but certainly with numbers like that, it's hard to argue against him keep getting the call. Yeah, no, I, I dude, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Unfortunately though for him, uh Benfica in the offseason unfortunately for him and fortunately for us. Benfica in the offseason acquired a, a, a guy who's who's been spectacular as well. Luca Walshmit is a guy that likes to play in that role. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, as much as I like Luca and, and he's a fantastic player, I think when PZ is on, PZ is a little bit more influential than he is. Luca is the type of guy that doesn't get involved in the game as much as PZ. PZ comes back, gets the ball, distributes, um, scores, and creates opportunities not just for himself but for his teammates. I get it that I, I would too at this point. I'd play Luca, but I'm telling you, PZ. <laughs> and those of you that have listened to the podcast over the last, uh, I don't know, a handful of years are sitting here like, is Cristiano on drugs? Like, because I've done a completely 180 on this guy. And it's just, you know, uh, it, PZ, man, look, he's doing what he has to do. He's doing what he has to do. And like you said, numbers don't lie. And he just keeps stacking them up. And, and the guy as a midfielder, there's not many Benfica, Benfica players in the history of the club that score more goals from the midfield position as he does. And assist-wise, the guy just keeps tying him up week after week. And so I have to to tip my cap to him because you guys know I have absolutely no problem in criticizing him or any other player on the field for that matter when they're having a downtime. And right now, Grand Pizzi. Pizzi's involved in anything that's positive for Benfica. When Benfica's been winning or tying these games like they've done over the last month, there's going to be a Pizzi involved. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, his, his, his experience level. and He's a guy that's been around uh, around the the clock or around the block a few times around the clock around the around the clock and around the block a few times right so he's played in in spain arguably one of the best leagues in the world he's had time at Pifica. he's had time at lower levels in portugal so it, it, yeah i i do understand uh in terms of when you compare him to wall schmidt as a kid that's still trying to to make a name for for himself in the world game uh, certainly that experience and, and understanding what the game needs and what the team needs and where the team uh, needs the, is the most help from him is something that's going to come naturally to Pizzi. Um, I don't want this to be a, a Pizzi love show, but like I said, against uh, numbers, you can't argue. Still not my choice. Uh, but Dave, <laughs> our first goal in the 36th minute by Vertonghen is first goal with the Benfica jersey and also... Um, a goal from a set piece, which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, we haven't seen from a while. The last one that we actually scored from a set piece, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, Ruben Dias's last goal before uh, he left for, for Man City. And that was, I think, the second game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we've poked fun at uh, Benfica and their set pieces, but it seems to be uh, improving uh, this year. And it's good to see uh, Super Yan on the uh, score sheet for Benfica. Well, it doesn't surprise me that we haven't scored a set piece goal since uh, since uh, Luis uh, since uh, Ruben Diaz left the club. Because if you looked at every set piece or every corner, particularly every corner, it was always second post to Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz headers it back into the middle. So I'm not surprised at all that they finally figured this out and they say, "Look, let's get into to a spot where our other big men could attack the ball." And, and Bertangen did just that. And I thought, fantastic, fantastic header by him. And you know, so I'm glad to see him get off the Schneid as well. Yeah, um, Befica goes into the half uh, leading one nothing. Kind of a, a a slow pace game, if if you ask me. But certainly, even playing at a slower pace, I thought that Befica uh, were um, just uh, victors of the first half, if you could say that. Uh, but the second half was uh, was a different story. The floodgates uh, opened up. Befica 
uh, scored in the 57th and 58th minute, which seemed to really deflate uh, whatever hopes like plot like. Poznan had of uh, of turning this game around, and I think after that, I think that there, there's not much more to say about um, about this game. Darwin with that two nothing, and then Pizzi uh, with the three nothing. Uh, Pizzi is assisted Darwin, then Rafa assisted Pizzi uh, for the three nothing. Uh, then we had a, a few changes, and and Everton closed out. Uh, Everton, Weigel uh, closed out the count at uh, four nothing. Uh, for Benfica in the dying uh, minutes of the game. Um, important uh, victory, Chris, for Benfica because it allows Benfica to, to keep pace with Rangers and take it all to uh, the last round of the group stages to see if Benfica can clinch that first spot. Yeah, I mean, not just in, in terms of Europa League, but in terms of confidence. I mean, this team needed to put a good performance together, even though, as you mentioned, it wasn't the most convincing victory, but they did score four goals, and that's always going to uh, lift more routes, always going to get players a little bit more excited about doing what they love to do. And so hopefully, you know, Benfica is able to carry this into the next game over the weekend, a game uh, we know is not going to be easy to play at Stade to lose, but you know, to me, the biggest thing about this is, as you mentioned, um, they're able to to to, to maintain the, their confidence levels up and uh, and uh, move on. And Dave, uh, you have some numbers on this game. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we talked. You guys uh, talked about the numbers not lying for Pizzi, but uh, Pizzi, both Pizzi and Darwin are currently uh, tied for second. Uh, for the most goals uh, in the Europa League competition so far this season with uh, five each. And uh, Benfica, is, uh, as its squad, has scored uh, 16 goals so far this year in uh, the Europa League competition and only trails uh, Bayern Leverkusen, who has 17 goals scored so far uh, through the competition. Yeah, did they, did you do any comparison in terms of uh, the goal scoring of this, this European campaign, of this year's against... Uh, past years i have not but tune in next week and we can get that uh, prepared for you <laughs> no because it's 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 obviously we have struggled in europe right in the past three four maybe five years um well uh, not victoria's first first year but certainly uh, with Lodge and, and victoria's last years we struggled in europe and to be able to see that we lead the europa league and Granted, it's Europa League, but still, the goal is a goal. To see that we lead the Europa League tied with uh, with Leverkusen, or actually we don't lead, we trail by Leverkusen by one goal. But seeing that output is certainly a good sign, Dave. Yeah, it's a good sign. But uh, on the flip side, we've also conceded, I believe, uh, six or seven goals uh, as well. So we can get by... Um, with the uh the, the high goals that we're we're scoring right now and um yeah conceded seven so far uh at this stage of the competition but like we're going to uh, discuss as we move on to the uh knockout stages the competition of the uh the Europa League is going to uh to increase and we got to uh shore up our uh, defensive um inabilities that we're we're currently seeing with this squad because scoring 16 is, is uh definitely good but uh conceding seven is uh too high of a number for me through five games alfredo did you know <laughs> that benfica is yet to lose at home in, in europa league competition for, did you guys over that was on the phone i'm sorry I had but your europa league but uh for how europa, long europa league the entire history of the europa league no no since it's i guess been since it's been called league. europa well, league not in Q, right. not including uh uefa cup this has been called the europa league being figures yet to lose at home so that's that's, that's a great stat chris so because you mentioned you mentioned you know with with vitoria and lies that we struggled to some point but even then, we didn't lose at home under this new Europa League format. So, uh, Benfica is, yo, raise the Europa League, pa. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. And, and certainly, look, if there's any plaudits that you want to take, these are the, these are the ones. Uh, and uh, for those guys, and, and, and Chris and I are, are from gen that generation where Benfica used to have these, these great European nights, classical uh, full of good memories. Um, any team from the Europa League coming to study the Luz, they know that they got a daunting task uh, with Benfica not ever having lost the game at Stade de Luz. So, so maybe that uh, Inferno de Luz is coming back on the Europa League for sure. 
So we'll we'll just have to see. But uh, three points for Benfica, which, like I said, is uh, will allow Benfica to go into the last match of the group stages uh, with a chance to um, to qualify first. Uh, next, we got uh, Standard Liège, and, and Standard Liège is what uh, third? Or I mean, they're they're also in tied with uh, with Lech Poznan, if I'm not mistaken, with three points. Correct, Dave? That's uh, correct, but currently uh, the uh, tiebreak for them is the uh, goal difference in Lech Poznan. Uh, I believe their goal difference is negative five and uh, Liege is negative six. So Poznan has the uh, the tiebreak currently. What's the first uh, tiebreak? Uh, is it head to head? It is head to head, but I believe they uh, they traded uh, victories. Uh, with each other, I'm just right, going but back I'm, here. I'm already thinking about in terms of what we what we're faced with yeah, uh, when it comes for, to Rangers. So it, yeah, would have Rangers ha- Rangers has the tiebreak because they've scored uh, three uh, three away goals and we only scored two when we went to uh, Scotland. Okay, but even if both teams win and Benfica scores a shit ton of goals, do we take first place or, or is that head to head first and then the tiebreak? The head-to-head is uh, is first, and then the uh, goal difference is uh, second. So, we need Rangers to drop points in the uh, the last match there against uh, Lech Poznan. Yeah, and we're away um, against uh, Liège uh, on uh, Thursday, right, Dave? What do you, what do you let's let's get right into the preview since we're we're talking Europa League. What do you what do you got on Standard Liège? Yeah, so uh, since our, our meeting uh, at the end of October, October 29th, Standard Liège has gone uh, two wins, four draws, uh, two losses. So uh, not the best of form um, for Standard Liège uh, this season. They're currently in fifth in the uh, Belgium League, uh, six points behind leaders uh, Genk. Yeah, and Chris, both either both Poznan and, and, and Standard Liège certainly – uh, with nothing really to play for in this Europa League, do you think the approach is, is going to be to safeguard some of their guys so they can concentrate on domestic competition? I mean, if I'm dumb, why not? At this point, you got nothing to lose. Right. Dave, what are some of uh, of our possible opponents uh, in, the, in the next stage? Yeah, so these are if uh, Benfica doesn't finish uh, in first and sell, uh, Rangers don't drop points, uh, Benfica will be finishing uh, second. So possible um, opponents so far, and these are confirmed um, group winners so far uh, for Europa League. Uh, Roma, Arsenal, uh, Villarreal, Dinamo, Zagreb, and uh, Hoffenheim have all confirmed uh, uh, their uh, group winner. They're all confirmed group winners from the Europa League. And uh, so far uh, from the Champions League route, uh, we've got Manchester United and Club Bruges that are confirmed uh, seeded clubs from uh, the Champions League route. So those are uh, two of the clubs that if Benfica finish uh, in second, that they have that possibility of uh, playing in the next uh, knockout round of the Europa League. Yeah. When is that uh, draw? Is it uh, Friday morning? Uh, let me take a look. It should, it should be. It should well, I think- yeah, we like Thursday and then that Friday, I think the draw will yeah, be healthy. Chris, while Dave looks this up, um, it's going to be an interesting uh, knockout stage in the Europa League. Oof. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a, a ton of tough matchups. Well, hopefully Benfica does uh, find a way to, you know, handle their business, which we totally expect them to do so and, and, and Rangers trip up. But Rangers, as Dave stated in last week's uh, podcast, they've been off to a fantastic form, not just domestically, but also here in the Euro and uh the Europa League with their only two draws obviously coming against Benfica. So it's going to be very tough right now. It wouldn't surprise me if Rangers holds up their end of the bargain and then Benfica has to to play a very tough matchup. But look, if you want to advance in this competition and you do want to pose a serious threat and you want to uh, you know, challenge for the title, you're going to have to face some top, top-notch teams eventually. So uh, why not get it out of the way nice and early and like that? If you do get, it, get through these teams, like I, I stated before, your confidence will be at a total high. And you know it's going to be a matter of time before J.J. gets his team playing at the, at a level that we all expect him to and at the level that he uh, wants his teams to play. So um, once that starts going, uh, you know, I, I hope Benfica doesn't slip up. The draw is uh, on Monday, the uh, 14th of December, so not on uh, Friday. Friday will... Friday's to Monday. So. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's the day right after the last game. Mm-hmm. Chapacalamalta party weekend and take off Monday like that. Oh, <laughs> you 
a lot of guys at home on Monday. More viewers. Right, everybody working from home, so it's not going to matter. Nobody's traveling to the draw. Um, but it is what it is. Um, so hope that Bifika gets at least a win so we can continue our uh, our streak here in the Europa League and also the momentum. Chris, are you still confident that uh, we're, JJ is going to have this uh, team playing uh, triple? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know about triple. At this point, I'd be glad with double. Uh, if we achieve triple, I mean, that means things will all be uh, going just fine. I do, man. I do. I, as you guys know, I'm a huge JJ fan, um, at least on the field. I think his teams, um, when they play uh, to, 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 to his, you know, tactics, right. When he, when he gets it all right. And the team start understanding his, his system, you see that they play wonderful football and they get results and it's, and it's attractive to watch and it's fun. And I do think at some point he's going to get these men um, sorted out. He's going to figure out who his midfield tandem is, whether it's, you know, someone that's on a club now or Benfica does go on the transfer window in, in January and brings in somebody to solidify that defensive center mid position that we've severely been lacking so far throughout the, the early start of the season here. Um, but I do think he's going to get his men right. I do. I mean, we've I've talked about it so much that you look at JJ's history as a coach, never have his teams given up goals like like we've seen this Benfica team give up goals. Um, we have two experienced uh, center backs, guys that are just making mistakes after mistakes. And I like to think that once we get a pause in, in, in the calendar and he does get a week or two in, in, in the training ground with his, with his team, he's going to be able to identify some of those problems and, and identify them and, and, and take care of what he has to take care of and therefore solidify things in the back. And then therefore, um, you know, have Benfica playing at a much better, uh, better level than what we've seen so far. Uh, it's not going to happen in December, I'll tell you that much, with the congestion of games that we have uh, this month of uh, December. Um, but uh, certainly a, a big task for Benfica uh, on the weekend against Pas Freire, a team that's in, uh, that wasn't uh, in, in fifth at the time, right behind uh, Porto and, and, and doing well. Uh, they came to Stade Luz and, and uh, they faced a, a Benfica lineup that uh, was as follows. Vlacodimus in goal. Gilberto, Otamendi, Vertonghen, Tavares, um, Weigel and Tarapt in the middle, Pizzi, Rafa behind Darwin, and Everton on the other side. And apparently Grimaldo was hurt in, uh, during the warm-ups of this game, so, so Tavares had to, uh, had to come in. Um, and I got to be honest with you, uh, uh, Cristiano, both of you, actually. Between Tavares and Gilberto, I think Gilberto's kind of growing on me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh <laughs> I, I think that he's he's getting uh, more confident by the minute. I think I, I think he still lacks some stuff, but I see some improvements on him. He's he's getting a lot more relaxed, and and things are some things are coming out good for him. And uh, Tavares again with that that same exact mistake that almost gave Pas Freire a goal on that header that uh, Vlakodimus saved at close range with his foot. Again, uh, the the 2v2 on the sideline there and, and Tavares just letting the guy go behind him. Uh, the guy who'd made a cross and, and he, the, the other, the forward for Pasquale got the free header uh, between the two center backs. Uh, but but certainly, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've run out of, I've run out of things to, to talk about Tavares. Yeah, I mean, look, the two players, obviously one's still a youngster. The other guy's been around the block a few times. One's got more experience. So, um, he's gonna understand tactically a little bit better than Tavares. Tavares is just that raw, raw guy that has that so much, you know, speed and, and physicality in him. But unfortunately, his brain hasn't caught up with his uh, with his body. And we hope for Benfica's sake and for his sake as well that he does figure that out eventually. But uh, I mean, I don't know, Alfredo. That's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> Gilberto and him. Ah, man, I I, I don't know. It's, it's neck know. to neck. It's very close. It's, his his confidence is growing is because he sees uh, Tavares on the other on the other side. And he says, "I can't be as bad as that guy." So maybe that's where his confidence came will, uh, came from this weekend. That's a great point. But I will I will also tell you this: uh, the guy that we're all learning to appreciate a little bit more is the guy that's on the sidelines, and that's Andre Almeida. I mean, with each of these games that goes by with these two guys on the field, Andre Almeida is looking more and more like a like a stud. Yeah, we miss him. 
<laughs> I thought I would never uh, say 2020, that. 2020 has been a strange year, eh? <laughs> things sure I would never, things I, would, I never thought I would hear Alfredo say. We miss Andre Almeida. Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, look how bad things have gone. Let's see what the uh, what the winter with the with the winter uh, window uh, brings in in January to see if Mifika hits the the market for right back. You know, another striker, another uh, another winger, maybe another center midfielder, but uh, no left backs, no right backs. Yeah. As so, far as uh, Grimaldo goes, anybody know what his uh, injury was? Is it serious? Is is he going to be back on the pitch soon? What, I, I haven't I haven't read up on it to be honest. I haven't heard yet. So I, think I, 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 I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any updates. But then again, I've, I've been off uh, the internet a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we're we're hoping that he comes back soon. Certainly. But um, again, uh, a game in which we went down uh, in the 24th minute, Pasfreira, who at that point had already benefited from a couple uh, good chances, uh, was able to put one of them uh, away. Uh, a corner who was that was punched by Vlakodimus. The ball ends up a little bit central in the box. Uh, Rafa tries to settle, misses the settle. Uh, then you got the, the Moldavian kid that uh, plays for uh, Pas Freire, the left back. Uh, would you take that kid, Cristiano? Would, would you take is that kid over Tavares? Isn't he uh, Rigo, Rego, Rego? Oleg. Oh, like he came to Portugal with his parents when he was four years old. Okay, because he speaks. I heard him after the perfect game. Perfect Portuguese. Perfect Portuguese. So that's why you're like Maldia. I'm like, what? What is that? Is that from like Moldova? Mold- yeah, Moldova? Moldavia. Moldavia. Where is that? Moldavia. Okay. É para lá para Rússia, não sei. You know we got to tune into the Benfica podcast for your, your it's, geography. It's, uh, it, it's one of those countries that... I'm not uh, Maldives. Like, isn't that like islands? No, the no, not, not, not the Maldives. Not from, he's not from They've the, looked the that country. up. I think it's one of those little countries that split up as, uh, as a part of the old Yugoslavia, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. I think it's, it's a fairly new country. Um, but anyway, Cristiano, would you take him over Tavares? Yeah, oh, he looked good. He yeah. looked good. I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of guys in my years as a Benfica who look tr- terrific in other team shirts. And the minute they put on a Benfica shirt, it's as if they forgot how to play soccer. But he did. His name is Rebchuk. <laughs> Rebchuk. R-E-A-B-C-I-U-K. Rebchuk. Rebchuk. Oleg Rebchuk. Okay. It's easier. Just call him Oleg. Whoever came up with that idea was must have been a genius. Opa. Oleg. Hey, what, so, so what, what's a skinny on uh, Oleg in Moldavia? Oh, Moldavia looks like they were part of the Soviet uh, Union. Uh-huh. And uh, they're they're close to Romania and uh, Russia. They're in they're in the, the middle of the Eastern Europe uh, part yeah. there. So we weren't too far off. Yeah, I, I knew it was one of those countries that split up as a result of one of those bigger countries splitting up uh, either Russia or Yugoslavia. Russia was my first guess. But credit to him, though. He speaks perfect Portuguese. Good job. I'd had sure no does. idea. I was wondering where the hell he got the name Oleg from. I guess we, we got our answers now. Yeah. I thought it was a nickname. I actually thought it was like a nickname. Yeah. So with a, a decent half for, for Benfica, uh, the usual allowed goal that seemed to – it seems to be too easy for teams to just come down our end and, and be able to, to, to score a goal these days. Um, but uh, Pas Freire, you know, doing uh, justice to what they've been doing so far, yep. uh, have not allowed a lot of goals in, in the championship so far and uh, very organized in the back. Uh, Benfica but- started well, Alfredo. Benfica no, I, I thought well. they, I thought they Benfica- created chances. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get we couldn't get one of those in the back of the net. We pressed high. We we forced some mistakes. That's that's typical JJ, at least in the Portuguese league, where he loves to press high and and the off in, in the opposition's own um, own whatever what do you call it third right yeah. own final third whatever, final third. Um, and you know it's just unfortunate that they weren't able to put the few chances away. But then after that, it's as if. Um, you know, Benfica, it, we've seen way too often here, guys, and, and so far in this this season, the team, you know, you must hear like one of those lullabies or whatever, and it just falls asleep. Um, and and, and uh, as Alfredo mentioned, they, they go behind, and, and it's as if, you know, okay, here we go again. Um, and they did nothing else. I mean, particularly in the first half, is as if they were just waiting for the final whistle. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, look, I don't want to take anything away from, from Pasqueira. Uh, I thought they had a, a decent half. And, and the other thing is that they were organized in the back, but they were never uh, a team that that's all they remitted themselves to. Uh, anytime they had a chance, they would they would come back. So what if it was a counterattack? But it was that some teams just play like that. They play compact, and then when there's times uh, that they find an opening, they they explode forward. Um, and they had guys. They have Tunk up front, and they had Luther Singh, which is a guy that has uh, some spin, uh, some some uh, some speed on the wings, and and, and certainly they they uh, made uh, they took advantage of the weapons that they had. A, uh, available to them uh, at the half. JJ made a go ahead, Fred, before you go. Before you go, yeah, I think important because we don't do that often here on the Benfica podcast. But you know, everybody else does it, so I figured it's it's good for everybody. So we might as well do cry a little bit. Did you think uh, that that going his head? Hold on, Alfredo. Dave's shaking his head. I want to hear. From I, I didn't think there was there was much uh, to it. I know the Benfica TV at halftime was already claiming uh, injustice, but I don't think there would, the player was at least uh, six or eight feet uh, ahead of Laco Dimas. I don't think he was impeding his vision um, that much. I think it was just like uh, a great strike by uh, Oleg and it caught Vlaco off guard and you got to give uh, the goal. I don't think he was impeded that, uh, that much by the, uh, uh, the offside position. I think if you go by the book, you could probably consider consider that impedance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's always going to be hard that Vlakodim is going to save that shot because the shot is hit so hard uh, and so well that it, I, even if he didn't have somebody in front of him, it did look like he saw the ball late. But even if he didn't have somebody in front of him, I think he still gets. You think up. that influenced the referee's decision not to even go to VAR? No, because that would have that so, never. I don't think that would have. So? Because because I do agree with it was such a a bomba. You know, well placed yeah. shot. It was he didn't try to place, he just murdered it on goal and, yeah. and it just you know went top shelf. I don't think Blanco teams would have gone to it. But I do think I, I, I do agree with you. Um who I forget who it might have been Doug, I forget it might have been Tunk. I don't know. I forget who the player was. But I do think he did he did block him you know, at least from picking up that ball early. I, I do think that he, yeah. he interfered a little bit. But as you just mentioned, the fact that, that that shot was so well placed, I, I do think the referee said that he wasn't going to get that regard. If he saw it, he didn't see it. He wasn't going to get it. I'm not even going to waste my time. It's a goal. Just just move on. Yeah, I, I don't, I I don't know if, if that would have any influence. Look, here's the thing. And, and we've always said here uh, about the VAR. Um, the VAR, it's not a computer that's deciding these plays. It's not a computer that looks at it and it's either black or white and there's no in between. There's no doubt. Uh, it's still a ref. It's still a guy that's going to make the same shitty two deci- decisions. <laughs> it's two guys in a little in a little trailer in the back, right? With a cord, <laughs> with an electrical cord coming into the room, right? Referee's attention. So it's not just always on the referee. The referee has to be alerted by those two guys in a little trailer in the back. Or God knows where across the street. We don't know where these guys are at. But yeah, he needs but, to be alerted by those two guys that maybe there's some irregularities in the, in, in this one play to go ch- take a look at it. And then the referee, as you stated, makes that decision. Absolutely. But they could also say, I didn't see any irregularities. Call, call the goal. It's a goal. But it, it, those guys, what I'm trying to say is that those guys are fallible, uh, just like the guys on the field. Uh, and VAR is only going to be as good as the, those guys. But I do understand what you're saying, Chris, when there's a, a, a doubt there where those guys feel that there could be something that the referee needs to look at, they will remit that decision to uh, the referee. But they might say that, no, it's all good. We don't see anything. It's, it's a goal. Um, I would love if the league... Um, could make those conversations public, even uh, other leagues do. I think, in, I think in Australia they do. In, in Australia, Australia they, they do. In Australia they're doing that. Uh, they're making the communications between the ref. I, and I, I might have even seen it on MLS already one time. I don't know, but if they, I, I think if they make these conversations public, um, and these guys shouldn't have anything to to hide, right? Uh, there's there's some some technical terms that get applied and if you don't know the the rule but i think that once it gets explained and once you kind of 
get where these guys are coming from and how they justify certain things, I think that it would leave a lot cleared up. Because it, when you're leaving it to your guessing and to your assumption and to the multiple dissections that you see on the shows on the Monday morning or a Monday afternoon or Monday night, whatever it is, you leave a lot to interpretation. So I think that when there's guys there and they're explaining what it's going on and why they made the decision that they made, I think that would be great for the public. I don't know why they don't do that. Imagine in a Portuguese league, yeah, Aquilo é penalta, foda-se, Benfica. Mas estás maluco. Estamos <risos> à penalta, Benfica. Depois Benfica em primeiro lugar. Pá, estás maluco. Sim, sim, sim. sim. Imagine those conversations, bro. Yeah. So, look, Once I... again, we make, we make uh, logical, we, uh, logical points here, but this league is still in the... Uh, Very illogical. The dark ages and uh, is not progressive uh, thinking. So great idea, but uh, they, they won't pick up on it, uh, at least for another 5, 10 years. Hey, look, my thought is, if you can have a guy on a overboard deliver the ball <laughs> to the Tasset Portugal... <laughs> Yeah, if you is... could have a ball delivered, I, I don't know. I've seen so many gimmicks every time that we see that Tasset Portugal puts it, puts some money to use. If you want to be ahead of times and you want to be known for a league that's a step ahead, do that. Yeah, but I don't think this is a question of spending money. I think this is a question of wanting to be transparent because, right. because I think they can. I mean, it's very simple. Just, you know, uh, transmit their coverage. That's, I mean, they could absolutely do that with the press of a button it's it's a matter of you know do we want to um because there is a lot of shenanigans whether they want to admit it or not but that might be one of the reasons why they don't want to uh what do you what do you got to hide though well listen it's better off not to transmit it and have that conspiracy alive then transmit it and have the trans have you the just, conspiracy been blown up and, and have the whole world see what you're up to yeah you, you just leave it open for uh interpretation and that sometimes they're better off with that i think to them rather than show their ineptitude or their um you know bias i, I think that's more of, of the reason they rather you you know just guesswork yeah so uh well, jay so JJ made a couple changes uh, for the second half. Gabriel came in for Weigel and Seferovic came in for, for Pizzi. In the 58th minute, we tied the game with Trafa on the end of Gilberto, uh, of Gilberto feed. Uh, and, uh, and then in the 59th minute, Walshmidt comes in for, for Everton, who has been a shadow of himself. We haven't seen the Everton that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, and then in the dying minutes... Uh, Walt Schmidt gets on the end of uh, of a Gabriel cross and uh, punches it in, and 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 Dave, I cannot uh, explain the satisfaction that I got from that goal, and it's one of those things that you suffer until the end of the game, and when you see those things happen, man, there's no greater satisfaction, and for all the frustration that I was having with the game and and with the team, um. Seeing that goal go in, man, that was that was great. Yeah, and especially from from this squad where we haven't had those those lucky uh, opportunities or those lucky breaks go our our way. What it's what seems to be a, a long time now, but yeah, for sure, these these are the the moments that you you wish that the, we had a, a full stadium in there because the uh, the place would have been absolutely uh, nuts. But um, yeah, Volschmidt last second uh, header and results. Do you think this? galvanizes this team or do you think that this will give the team a false sense of security that they think that they could always turn it around yeah i mean that's that's the main dollar question we hope that that's not the case we hope that you know they they it's a negative and a positive as you mentioned right the positive is that you know these guys know that they're always going to be in every game to the end and, and and you know they could pull off a result Whenever they need, but at the same time, maybe that arrogance and, and that 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 thought process maybe is is the reason why they're not starting off uh, the game the way they're supposed to start off. Right? We we talked about it on last week's podcast, Dave, and I said I think next week Benfica against Pas Ferreira should just start the game being down one 0 and that's exactly what they did because only then did Benfica kind of pick things up. Uh, second half, uh, it wasn't the greatest, but they did just enough. They they they, they created a couple of opportunities. Surprised, um, 
I guess a lot of people aren't, but I'm surprised that Svetovic wasn't able to put that one opportunity in the back of the net. That definitely would have changed things. Darwin, Darwin with that missile off the crossbar. They did create their chances. It wasn't a dominating performance by any stretch of the imagination, but it's always great to see that this team doesn't give up. And, and, and I know we haven't played well. Um, as you stated, you're 100% correct, Alfredo. So frustrating to watch this team play at times. But it's always good to see the team never give up, play literally, literally until what we saw this week and until the very last play of the game, right? They got four minutes of extra time. They scored a 93rd and minute and 40-something second, whatever it was. Yep. Like this team is going to fight and try to scratch and pull and do what they have to do to get themselves uh, the victory or get themselves the, the draw, depending what the result is at the time. And, 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 and you know, it's it's good to see. How many times am I going to come on here and, and, and reference last year, right, that we were upset because this team looked like they didn't have the fight in them. And this year they have. Um, so totally agree with you. It's frustrating. Um, but at the same time, it's it's very pleasing to see that these guys have the right attitude. And, and I know we could sit here and criticize J.J. for many things. Uh, but he has his teams believing and he's always pushing forward rather than just sitting there with his arms crossed on the sideline and looking up at the sky as if to say, you know, uh, Bob, I don't know what else to do. He's always trying to maneuver. He's always trying to do new things. And whether you want to credit him, you want to credit the players for for saving his ass. But at the end of the day, he's the head coach. He's going to take um, the criticism when things aren't going well. He's going to take the uh, the plot, you know, the, the positives when when things are going well. So, um I know there's some people, believe it or not, that, that might have been disappointed that Benfica pulled off this victory uh, because I think they would have rather uh, have J.J. look bad. Uh, that's not my Benfica, but again, that's just the Benfica world I live in. Everybody else is different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some positives um, to take from. I was I was happy to see Padrinho. Yeah. All right. He didn't do much, but happy to see Padrinho be an option because as we talked about it so much, and you know, I keep repeating myself here, but Benfica has game after game after game. What is it, six or seven games just in a month of December alone? Um, so it's going to be important to have everyone available. We see the Serbies of the world now playing a little bit as well. It, it's important to see these guys be available in, that, uh, in order to, to add some more quality and some more depth to this team because we're going to need it. These guys are going to be tired and playing game you know they're basically playing a game every three every three days yeah where the team that's currently in first place in portugal they, they play one game a week they don't have to to worry about it they're always going to have their strongest 11 because those guys are always going to be fresh and we're going to be um you know competing on, on, on different fronts and that's that's the good thing about um you know you want to be a big team you're going to be playing in European competitions. You're going to be involved in the Thassas and whatnot. But right now with this whole COVID stuff and it's just, you know, these guys, it's, it's going to be tough to keep uh, these guys fresh. So it's important to see the Padrinhos of the world and, and you know, the Servis of the world and even Shikingu to a certain extent, even though I don't think much of them. But um, it's important to see these guys be available to, to, to add some freshness to this lineup. Yeah, and, and Dave, uh, a use that's been thrown around by uh, a word that's been thrown around by uh, JJ in his in his post uh, conferences is resiliency. And as Chris mentioned, it looks like this team is in the game until the very last minute. What what do you make of the team's ability to be able to turn these uh, games around? Yeah, it's definitely something um, positive to to look at. Um, just considering how how there was no uh, no fire at the end of last season, it just looks like the the players just caved and conceded the uh, the results uh, when it started going uh, tough for them last season. So um, whether that's JJ's uh, already changing the the mindset in the locker room, um, we don't know. We're not inside to the uh, inside the locker room, but I feel like that whoever was going to be the next coach of Benfica, that was going to be their number one task was just changing the, this mindset of this uh, this group of uh, players because how we saw them um, react and finish uh, the, la the last season there was just uh, pathetic and was not our, our Benfica. So good to see that they do still have that, that fighting spirit right up until um, the end. But um, just one, my, my biggest concern now is that it feels like they have to get punched in the, uh, in the mouth first for them to, to uh to get their their game started it's now uh five out of their last eight games where they've conceded the uh the opening goal of of the match so it, it's kind of concerning that way that they uh they, they're conceding the first goal and really uh don't get into their uh their game until they've already conceded a, a goal 
So uh, that's the next thing that they have to uh, start working on. Yeah. And the um, the goal that Pas Freire scored turned out to be a, a moot point, but certainly uh, there would have been a lot of talk had been figured tied this game. Um, but uh, Dave, three point, three important, three important points out of this game, especially on uh, on the run that we're about to uh, embark in. Um, what other numbers did you take out of this game? I uh, just gave that five out of eight uh, stat about conceding uh, five out of their last uh, eight games. And then uh, just uh, some praise to Pash Freire too. It's just a, a kind of a breath of fresh air after um, going through that uh, Maritimu game with uh, Vitigal and all the anti-Jogu. Um, Pash Freire came to, uh, came to us and, and like we said, they, they wanted to play. They, um, they had 16 shots on, on target and, um, we, though we have Gilberto and, uh, Nuno Tavares there that were uh, giving them some opportunities. If they had, uh, a little bit more finish there, we could have been, uh, definitely more down than, uh, just the single goal. So got to give them some credit, uh, especially after what we saw in, uh, Madeira it was kind of a breath of fresh air to see some of these, uh, smaller clubs, um, come and play, uh, some soccer. Yeah, you're right. Blanco Dimos came up big time. In the first half, on that one, I think it was Douglas Tank, uh, right, right, you know, in front of him inside the six. Um, then they had another one, uh, I believe it was Douglas Tank as well. Got a nice back heel pass from his teammate, and, and he found himself in front of the goal, right inside the the eighteen yard box, and, and shoot. Yeah, they, they, you know, they they played well. They had their opportunities. Yeah, and by the way, that was off of La, of Lacodemus' bad pass to Otamendi, mm-hmm. which we've. We've grown to a scene, you know, we're accustomed to seeing it. So, as I mentioned, the, the important three points, uh, I think it's the, you know, that's that's huge for me, especially against this Pasfredo, who seems to be doing well and, and get better. Things will get better. And, and sporting dropping points and Braga losing too. So, that moves us up to uh, to second now, just two points behind sporting. Yeah. Yeah. While uh, we were uh, playing Pasfredo, Braga was playing. Uh, Besad at the Jamor in a game that uh, that Besad ended up uh, ended up winning. So perhaps uh, Braga, a little bit uh, hungover from uh, European play, wasn't able to come down to Lisbon and, and beat uh, Besad. Um, up next for uh, Benfica, as we mentioned, is Liège. Domestically, Benfica doesn't play another league game for a bit. They play Vitória de Guimarães on the sixth. If I'm not mistaken, Dave. And there, there's a Tasa game this weekend, but the opponent is uh, still to be determined. Right, but there's a the next Benfica game will be uh, domestically will be against Vitória de Guimarães uh, for the League Cup, and we mentioned what the format is on that for uh, last week for for this year, which is um, eight teams, and then it goes into four, and they play the final. Excuse me, the final four to find. Um, the champion, but that game is not until the 16th, so we'll have plenty of time. Next week, we'll be back. We'll look back at these at this Liège game, and we'll look ahead to uh, Benfica's next game, which will be uh, Vitória de Guimarães uh, domestically. Um, before we go, we got a question here from from Tiago. Um, Tiago is an avid listener of the show, and he's also been on a show um, a couple times. And um, Basically, what, what he says, and he wants to hear uh, our, all of our opinions, um, is uh, it, it says it's evident Befica doesn't have a number six, but if they get one in, ja- in the January transfer window, who will be the odd man out? And what formation and lineup would use if you were JJ? Uh, you can also use rumored January transfers to fill in your ideal lineup. Um, I guess, Chris, you want to go first or I could go first. Um. Oh, what's the first question? Who would be the odd man out? Yeah, if Pifika goes the to six? the market and grabs a six, yeah, who's, who's gonna six? be who's, no who's gonna be bit. who's gonna be your your midfield duo? Does the tactics change now with a six? Who's gonna go out? Who's gonna that's, play? That's 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 not a an easy question by any stretch. I mean, because you can make the argument for both Gabriel. Um, and you can make the argument for for Tarap, um, because obviously with a true number six, it gives 
Terapt a little bit more freedom if he does decide to stick with Terapt. It does give him a little bit more freedom to go forward because now he doesn't have to to constantly worry about on the defensive end and and, and just be himself. But at the same time, <clears throat> you could just add another guy as a Gabriel. But again, Gabriel is another guy that doesn't defend um, or is not great at defending, I should say, by any stretch of the imagination. But he can also pick out a pass. He can rotate the ball. And so it's going to be um, a decision, JJ, game to game. It's going to be a decision of creativity and against, I guess, ball possession. Um, I guess that could be the argument. If you want creativity, you're going to keep that up. If you want uh, possession, spread the ball around and have someone kind of control the game, um, come back, get the ball and spread it around, get his teammates involved. I think, you know, obviously that, that choice will be uh, Gabriel. I, I really don't don't have an answer regarding that because yeah. it's, each game will dictate what JJ will want to do. So, But I think I, I, if I had to gun to my head, uh, I would say most likely Tarap. Tarap had a bad game this past weekend. Um you know, uh, it's a game that obviously I normally, you know, I stick up for my boy Terap, but he did have a bad game this week. And it's not going to influence the, you know, my decision here, but I'm just saying, I think if, 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 if I got a gun to my, my head and I have to pick one, I, I think it'll most likely be Terap. Yeah. He'll be a man out. Dave. It's all, it's also it was Terap's first game returning back from, uh, the virus. Right. So maybe he's still shaking that off, but, um, between uh, between Tarap and Gabriel, um, I gotta agree with with Chris. I think Tarap gives you more going forward. But um, since Gabriel's uh, lack of lack of uh, defensive uh, proudness and that Rangers uh, game and that one goal, it looks like he has been tracking back more uh, defensively. And um, if if he's showing that. Um, that uh, that ability to to track back defensively, though with the six there, there it would give him more of ability to push up. But it, it's a toss up between it goes uh, game to game. But uh, is this really? Are we uh, at the point now where we're looking to uh, are actively looking to sell uh, Weigel and just cutting uh, our loss, or just taking uh, taking whatever we can get uh, with him? Is it just not? Working out with Weigel? It's just it's just rumors. At some point, I heard that Schalke was interested in his uh, in his loan till the end of the season. So I mean, it could be a rumor, Alfredo. But if they do go out and get a six, um, there's going to be less space. Yeah, and for a guy that's getting paid a boatload of money <clears throat> that isn't getting a lot of playing time, uh, I'm starting to think that those there might be something to those rumors. As of right yeah. now, they're rumors. But if they do get themselves another player. To clog up that midfield, oh, bro, uh, yeah, someone's gonna have to be out. I think uh, this question for me, it's it's all relative, right? Because who's the six you're gonna get? Is it a guy that's gonna be lights out? Is it a guy that's just going to be, I don't know, like a pet project for JJ? Uh, and then I think the papers, afraid according to today's papers, it's William Bubakari Somare. He'll save job. He's a French uh, uh, under twenty one international place for Leo. He's uh, Renato Sanchez's teammate. So I don't know. That's that's been the chosen man. That's the chosen one. Yeah. I, I look. I think it's all relative, really. Um, and I think that that the midfield duo is going to depend a lot on how good the six is and how both of these players complement each other. Right. Because if you have one guy that's pulling to one side and one guy that's pulling to the other side, and they really don't understand each other uh, on the field because there's got to be some chemistry. Uh, right. And I think that right now, sometimes what we have seen not only is a lack of a natural six, but it is also a lack of chemistry between the two guys that jump in there uh, because. Uh, one, they might not have that that defensive prowess that Dave was was talking about, but but certainly I think sometimes those guys don't really fit in together. And we all know uh, out of the four midfielders, and I'm talking about Tarapt, Weigel, uh, Gabriel, and Samaris, we all know what each one of those guys brings to the table. The biggest thing is to have two guys that are going to complement each other. So at this point, are we looking at a guy that we just know undoubtedly 
he has qualities to play as a six, or are we looking at a guy that we know is going to fit in with the guys that we have? What do you, what, what do you what do you think the plan uh, of attack is there by Befica, Chris? I think it'll be a guy that they could plug in at the six that could defend, but could also move the ball. And a guy, and it makes sense, a guy like this that they're talking about, Bubakar, I forgot his name. Uh, Moose, I forgot his name. I forgot the last name. I'd have to check it out. But, yeah, somebody that's going to be a project, someone that Benfica can um, turn around a couple years and, uh, and and make a nice little chump change off of them. So um, I think you make a great point. It, it, you know, they're not just going to want to bring in a guy that's just going to sit there uh, and do nothing. Um, and not be able to compliment everyone else that he's going to play with. So it's going to be very interesting. But I, in my mind, I think they're going to get a guy that could do a little bit of both. Obviously defend like a tank, but could also pick out a pass. Would you How about uh, a player that we just saw this past weekend uh, for Pash Fredo, Ishtakyu there? He can, uh, he can play he's in more that of position an eight. there. Yeah, he's, he's more of an eight. He's not a six. Um, would, you guys, would you guys, and this is this is touchy subject for some, but uh, how do you guys feel about a, a William Carvalho? <clears throat> I, I was going to ask you that question. Um, well, I beat you to it. Now yeah. No, I, w- I, w- I would take William. I, I would take William um, because I think that William really fits that game idea that JJ has. Uh, also a guy that, that has worked with JJ, knows what JJ wants. So the adaptation period, which is important, right? Because if you bring a guy from the outside, he has to be a guy that his talent is undoubt, undoubted to hit the ground running, Shugo, view Gagnon, right? I would uh, take William just so I wouldn't have to hear the rest of the fans saying, we don't have any Portuguese in the camp. You know, now we got a Portuguese guy. All right, whether he sucks or not, it's irrelevant. Yeah. No, for, for me, look, it, we're at a time period where it has to be a guy that's going to be your – it's going to be lights-out starter for me. Has yeah. to be that guy. Um for you to bring a guy that's a young kid that has the raw talent, but it still needs a lot of work, still needs a lot of positioning uh, work. I, For that, we got Fiorentino. For that, we got Fiorentino. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I sent out Fiorentino. For that, yeah, I agree with you. Look, William, I would take in a heartbeat. Um, haven't always been his biggest fan, but on this team, I think he'd fit in like a, like a glove. I think yeah. it'd be perfect. Uh, but yeah, somebody of that magnitude. We'll see. We'll see with these young kids. If it's going to be a project like you mentioned, there's for that we have our own project. We got Florentino go get him back and uh, give him some playing time. But I do think he's going to want someone that can pick out a pass because if it's just about defending, you could throw in uh, Samadis in there and just tell him to defend all day. But obviously, can't do that with the ball at his feet. And I think that's why these types of guys don't play. And I think that's why Florentino was sent out on on, on loan to try to develop some of that game because on the JJ, if you can't do that, um, you're not going to play. I still think that there's a six in uh, Weigel. I don't think so. A guy that I'm plays... Uh, I like Weigel, uh, but I think Weigel doesn't have enough uh, aggressiveness. Uh, his intensity, um, he's not just going to sit back there and just clean up, um, you know, everyone else's dirty work. I just don't think... I don't think that's what he is. I think I think he's... I don't even think he's an eight. I think he's one of those guys that plays in a 4-3-3 system, another guy in the midfield that just, you know... I don't want to call it free, but has the ability to come back and defend, but also has the ability to get involved in the attack. I just think he's one of those players that could do a little bit of both. He's not great at any one of them, but when he's around and, and he's, you know, surrounded by a guy that could do all the dirty work and surrounded by a guy that could actually, that obviously has the, 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 the magic in his feet, I think he, he becomes very, a very good player. Yeah. But when you're counting on him to do either, I think that's where he falls short. But I like him. I'm not telling you he's, he's a bad player. I yeah. just don't fits. Yeah, and as as I'm thinking through through this whole Weigel thing, and and I'm thinking and I'm trying to compare him against guys that JJ has has had uh, in his team, uh, and even I went even as as far back as as think as, as Facer, right? Um, so what does what does Facer do that's better than Weigel? And Cristiano, you hit it right on the head. It's the intensity. It's the aggressiveness. It's the but as won't you won't let go of your of your of your ankles. He's on top of you. Yeah, He's on top Frazier, of you. The thing with Fasia, you can obviously point and say he didn't have the ability to pick out a pass, but but he was so great at what he did, clogging up the, the passing. You're so great at defending that you 
you kind of okay, you know, you 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 allow him, you allow him to do what he has to do, and you accept his flaws because he's so great at what he does. And then plus, at the time when Fasher was Fasher, you had a lot of different players. You had a lot of, if he got a lot of quality around them, which right now Benfica doesn't really have. Yeah, but even thinking back, uh, even Matic, for example, or Javi Garcia, always guys that were very physical in that middle. Um, Matic obviously with more ball skills than than Javi Garcia. But always guys that were, they were like pit bulls. They're right on top of the defender. Same with they, Enzo. You look at a guy like Enzo Alfredo, obviously not a six. Yeah. But what was so great about him as an eight? It was his intensity. It was his aggressiveness. Yeah. The guy didn't stop. He had that motor, right? Um, and, and Javi Garcia, brick feet, but the guy was a pit bull. You know what I'm saying? And, and Vigo has way better feet than Javi Garcia, but doesn't have the motor skills. He's way, well, way better player than Aphasia, but doesn't have the aggressiveness. Doesn't have the know-how or the want-how. Maybe he just doesn't want it as bad as Fasia to get into those passing lanes because he's a guy that's been used to having the ball at his feet because his level is much higher than those guys, and maybe he's just not suited to do those things or he doesn't want to do them. But those other guys, they were pit bulls. Uh, Enzo Perez is a guy that, for those you know younger guys that, 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 that don't know a lot about Enzo, when he came in, he came in as a right mid, and he struggled mightily, and he got sent on loan. And, and even when he came back for his last stint, he wanted nothing to do with Benfica. He wanted to leave. He tried to force his way out, yeah. and J.J. said, no, we need this guy. And J.J. moved him from the right wing, from the right yeah. mid position to the center. And then all of a sudden, his, his intensity level is what kept him there. His aggressive. The guy never gave up. He has that Argentinian attitude that yeah. never said not. And we don't see that from a Vigo, Alfredo. Yeah, in, in terms of the the visibility for, for Enzo Perez uh, that he had on a squad when he first came, think about Caio Lucas, right? He was a guy that was just there. He would pop in and, and play a few minutes few uh, here, a few minutes there. He also had some injury injuries that he had to, dealt, to deal with. Went back to Argentina, came back to Portugal. And like Shannon said, he was really like one of those fringe guys. And then all of a sudden, I, I remember to this day, there was a press conference where JJ said, I think I can make Enzo Paris an eight. And sure enough, sure enough, it was there. Because, again, he knows what his game idea is, what his game model is. He knows what traits a player needs to have to play in those positions. As far as an eight, who'd you take? At Benfica, I don't want to talk about overall as players, but at Benfica, you could only pick one of the three. At Benfica, for what they did at Benfica, obviously, I think the answer, I mean, it's stupid by putting it this way, but Enzo Perez, Witzel, or 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 Renato, because he was also a bull. He was also Oof. those are my three. Those are my three eights that we've had at Benfica, at least in the last you know ten years or so. That's uh, that's very tough. That's very tough because. I think that Witzel has the feet. He is an elegant player. He also has the engine. He may not be that aggressive pit bull, but he's a guy that covers a lot of uh, ground. He doesn't have that aggressive because he broke someone's leg in a game and he had to take <laughs> it down. He was suspended. I mean, that's uh, that's how he wound up at Benfica, actually. I think he's he's more rounded than Enzo. Enzo was all Enzo was all fight. It was all fight, but he also had had some skill. I remember that one play where he set down uh, Dyer against Sporting with like a with a a, jig, a, a jinga move. Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, not uh, was just raw, 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 powerful, raw. Covered a lot of ground, had feet, had moves to get past guys. Um, I don't know, man. That's a tough one, but I'd probably think with sure. One thing's for sure. Ever since Renato's left, Benfica has not really replaced anyone. They haven't been able to replace that 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 no. that number position. It was peasy for a long time, but he's not a true eight. You know what I mean? But Benfica has not been able to replace. No, uh, it was obviously went from Witzel to Paris to him, and Benfica just hasn't been able to to to, to find themselves that player. Um, and I don't think he's on the roster right now. I thought maybe Gabriel could have been that guy. Um, but he's just, I don't he's know. Just, I'll, I'll continue saying that Gabriel is too inconsistent for me. No, I know that's what I'm saying. I thought I, but I thought it would have been Gabriel. I thought yeah. it would have been, but he's I, not. He I thought have, too. He doesn't have the motor. I thought not to I, play, not to play in a team in, in a formation like Bifiga's playing with so many attacking play that everybody just worries about going up. You're going to need that other guy in the middle to come in and do the dirty work. And I don't think he's, he's capable of it. All right. 
Well, I, I hope that we answered that question some somehow to Tiago. Thanks for, for the question, Tiago. Um, that's all we got uh, for this week, unless you boys uh, have anything else that you wanted to uh, mention. Dave, Cristiano. All right. Uh, at 10CO10, at 87DO87, at Befica Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. We're also on, on Instagram and Facebook, talking to the all Benfica Podcast. Look that up. We're, we're there. Um, also, don't forget to visit Benfica Independent, a project which we are part in a part of and now they're on discord also get on there get your chat on uh in discord uh and that's all we got as i mentioned next week we'll be back we'll recap this uh the last game of the europa league uh, group stages and uh, we'll look ahead to uh vitoria Guimarães, which is always a a tough game for uh benfica sayonara everyone have a have a great week uh stay safe stay aware wash your hands later <laughs>